Hey, if you love to eat as much as we do here on the Kevin and Taylor Show, you're going to love hearing the latest in the world, world of, of food. food. First, next time you go to the movie theater, the concession stand is going to look a lot different. AMC is creating their own brand of candy, and it's all about money. Apparently, candy companies have been upcharging AMC for product due to supply chain issues. They're like, fine, we'll make our own. Second, McDonald's is launching several new menu menu items like confetti cookie dough McFlurries and the Chipotle quarter pounder. There's a catch, though. It's only in Canada. And finally, in the world of food, have you heard about the surprising restaurant chain gaining traction with Gen Z? Hmm. You want to take a guess what it is, Kev? I'm going to say that it is Taco Bell. A good guess. It is Applebee's. Yep, where millennials have left Applebee's for Hmm. dead, Gen Z is giving it CPR. They've been using social media like TikTok to market themselves, and apparently it's working. Huh. So if you want to reach the Gen Zers, just get on TikTok. Are we on TikTok? No. Kevin and Taylor show on TikTok? We should get on TikTok. Or will we look like old people trying to be cool on TikTok? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Is it creepy for people over a certain age to be on TikTok? No. No, there's a lot of, there's, it's surpassed all generations. Okay, if you were going to do a TikTok video this morning, the Kevin and Taylor debut on TikTok, what would we do? It's not a dance. Maybe a recipe. A recipe? Oh, recipes go viral all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's my recipe. Or a cute dog video. For the perfect cup of coffee. Insert K cup. <laughs> that would be funny. Maybe that'd be our thing. Dad recipes. <laughs> call Uber Eats or, or go, call. Yeah. <laughs> you don't call them, right? No, you don't. <laughs> Order on Uber Eats. Right? <laughs> See, I'm making funny videos already. I picked and up I, the phone and, and I, I called Uber Eats. I tried to call Uber Eats and it's not working. <laughs> I think it's broken. (laughs) Tell me that wouldn't go viral. (laughs) That was good. So uh, my daughter took a whole bunch of clothes to Goodwill, uh, probably like a month, month and a half ago or whatever. And then she happened to take some more the other day and they did a little shopping while they were there. And she was offended by something she saw on the racks. I'll tell you what she was offended by next. So do you ever take stuff to Goodwill? I think everybody does, right? You have oh, something yeah. you haven't worn in a long time, you take it to Goodwill. My daughter took a, a few bags of stuff the other day. Actually, it was like a month and a half ago, maybe, uh, to Goodwill. She was doing some spring cleaning. And uh, she put it She put it in bags, gave it to Goodwill. You know, like, oh, somebody can get good use out of this. Well, then yesterday, or a couple days ago, she went uh, to Goodwill, dropped some more stuff off. And she was with her boyfriend and was like, oh, let's, do, let's go and see if there's anything good, any bargains we can find while we're here. So she goes... And she found a lot of her stuff that she had donated. <laughs> I knew was you were going to say that. Still on racks. <laughs> and she was offended. She was like, it's really good stuff. I mean, like, name brand good stuff. I can't believe it's still there. Why are people not buying it? I know why. Isn't that funny? Why? Because your daughter has exquisite taste, but there's a very teeny tiny population of the world that could fit into her clothes. Oh, I didn't think of that because she's so tiny. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I told her, I was like, you know what? This is more embarrassing than being offended that people didn't buy her stuff. I have donated stuff to Goodwill, gone back like a month or so later, and been like, that's a cool shirt. And I've bought stuff that I've donated. (laughs) Have you really? (laughs) I didn't know this was an ongoing thing with you. Isn't that funny? That's hilarious. I, I I don't know. Plain black sweater. 
and I've donated it. And I've gone and been like, wow, that's a cool black sweater. Cha-ching, I'll bring it home. Tracy will be like, you know why you liked it so much? Because it was yours. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the good thing is you're supporting people getting jobs and I a am. beautiful, wonderful charity. And I am. And I, I said, keep the you, cycle going, Kev. At least, my, at least I'm consistent with my style. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I like. I know what looks good on me. I feel like you're our resident dog expert on the show with five dogs. And there is a dog park that instated a very interesting rule. Okay. And I want to see how you feel about it as as a a dog dad of five. You ever see the news headlines and you're like, you can't make this stuff up. See how you feel about this, Kev, as someone who has five dogs. There is a dog park that has banned barking. And you could face a fine that. of three hundred and seventy to fifteen hundred dollars for your dog barking at this dog park. That'd be the equivalent of having like a playground and saying, "Okay, kids, no screaming or yeah. yelling." Why would you do that? Or, <laughs> why, why? There's got to be a why. Why it, would it be the, they do it? the equivalent of banning your father-in-law from complaining at Sunday dinner? Right. Uh, but I guess people in the area, the the neighborhood around it, weren't happy about all the barking. But the question is, everyone's like, well, how are they enforcing this? And while they were doing a TV report on the no barking at the dog park story, mm-hmm. the dogs were barking like crazy. And who, who, <laughs> do, do the police show up and give you a fine? Who gives you a fine? Or do they have it would like be, a, a yeah, neighborhood it would, patrol comes I around? I think it would have to be police, but I don't know if there's a whole lot of patrolling going on. I'm not a dog park guy to begin with. I mean, yeah. Fortunately, we have a big backyard for mm-hmm. our, all of our dogs. I'm not big on the mixing my dogs with other people's dogs. I, some people love that. Some people, their dog, oh, oh, they'll let their extendo leash go as you're coming up to them. Like, please don't do that. Our dogs, our dogs don't play well with other dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, I'm not a dog parky person. But if I were mm-hmm. trying to keep your dogs, it would from just make it barking. a stressful experience. Yeah, you'd be it's so just, stressed. I'm sorry, that's just dumb. Why? Why? What's the it's point crazy. of the dog bark? You dogs, you can go, but. Don't have any fun. Like I said, you can't write this stuff. <laughs> it's real headlines. So uh, the no bark dog park, that that just seems a little silly. I'll tell you what, though. My wife and I went for a walk with our dogs. It's what, one of the things she wanted to do on Mother's Day was she wanted oh, to take nice. the dogs for walks. So we took them for a walk. And she's found this park. I'm not going to tell you where it is because it's like this secret. It's endless fields and trails and nobody knows about it. Nice. So she loves it. So we go for, we got the dogs in the walk, we get them on their leashes, we go, we head off into the trail and I hear, uh, I can hear other people further up. We're kind of like up on a hill, they're down on this field. Uh, so I peek around the trees and I see they're on the field and I said, yep, they got a dog and it's off the leash. Oh no. And I don't understand why people would go to a public park unless it's a closed dog park and that's what you're supposed to do. Why would you let your dog off the leash? It just doesn't make any sense it's really to me. Stressful. So yeah. he comes strolling along, and of course the dog comes running up, and they start yelling, "Oh, he's fine." Okay, how do you know my dogs are fine? And I don't know if your dog is fine. It's something that people forget: is your delightful little Smoky Poo is an animal that you don't ca- obviously you can't control him because you're yelling for him, and he's not hearing you. He's still barreling towards my dogs. So yeah, if you're if you're one of those people, why why are you doing that? <laughs> Yes, we're all talking about you. (laughs) Okay, Taylor, I don't know about you, but I need to hear these messages. And this was from one of my favorite people I follow on the socials, Father Joe. He posted this today, and I love it. He sees you. The he he is talking about, of course, is God. He sees you. He sees that you get afraid. 
that you get lonely. He knows the times that you're grumpy and dark. He is fully aware of you at your worst. Mm. He sees all of that and everything, the good and the bad. He sees it and he is not repulsed or worried. He's not repulsed or worried because he sees not just what you do or how you feel. He sees into the deepest part of you and is smitten with what he sees there. Wow. Live in that love. Be at peace. Know that he loves you. I hope that encourages you. I so needed to hear that today. You may live close to your mom. My mom's far away, and it was a big deal that she was able to visit for Mother's Day. Tried to spoil her from sunrise to sunset. I'll tell you about it next. I don't know about you, but sometimes it's hard to put into words how grateful you are. My mom got to come visit us for Mother's Day weekend. And you might be like, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, my mom hasn't been able to travel for over 13 years. Once my dad's MS took a pretty big turn for the worse, he couldn't travel anymore. He couldn't handle it. And uh, af- one time he- she lined up caregivers and came to visit all her daughters. Um, and he said, would you please never leave me again? And she said, okay, I won't. And she stayed by his side until the day he entered heaven. So now that my mom's an, a newly widowed woman, she decided, I'll come see you guys. And it was a big deal just for her to be brave enough to get on a plane. We had to request a wheelchair because her back is really bad. But uh, we really have been working hard to try, try to spoil her. And so for Mother's Day, it was like, all right, game on. Let's see how we can spoil her from sunrise to sunset. And so we had a, a big family brunch after after church. Uh, we had to wait a little while because my nieces were working in the nursery. Mm. And um, my brother-in-law made his famous candied bacon. Ooh. And I made oatmeal pancakes and scrambled eggs. It was like way too much food, but we were trying to make it like a big Sounds like brunch. Shoney's. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of food. And then um, one of the things I did, I had found this thing at Target. It was like a foot mask. And they were these little booties. And so I, I reclined mom in the chair and put these booties on her feet that, like, I guess, like, release, like, a lotion and a massage. And so and then I used a little massage gun, and I massaged my mom's feet for a really long time. Hmm. And then um, Glenn made salmon on the grill, and we had dinner, and I made a, a chocolate brownie cheesecake Ooh. for dessert. And so, and then the last thing I did, just to try to make her feel really pampered and spoiled, was I snuck into her guest bedroom, and I did the, like, the... The beds, what's it called when they have the service at night at a fancy hotel? Turn down service. Turn down service. So I turned, I took all the decorative pillows off. I turned down the bed and I put a chocolate on her pillow. Oh, queen um, for a day. That's what I was going for. Well yeah, it was so special having her in town. Good job, you guys. Can you imagine knowing your child is lost in the woods coming up with this little eight-year-old did to survive? Hey, this is your guarantee to put you in a good mood story of the day. Can you even begin to imagine your child being lost in the woods? That was reality for little eight-year-old Nante. He got lost for two days. He's from Wisconsin, but his family was camping in the wilderness in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And he got lost walking back to camp after searching for firewood. Boy, his poor mom, Jessica, she was so worried about the cold and that her son would be scared and crying. But Nante was brave. He said he prayed and asked God that he wouldn't be lost and stuck in the woods for the rest of his life. 
He ate snow and put branches over him and slept under a log to stay warm. And believe it or not, Nante said he's definitely going to want to go camping again. Now that is brave. Wow. I'd be like, okay, mom, I don't ever right. want to camp again. I don't please. think this is for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll find another hobby closer to home. Hey, want your child to be happy and healthy? That's a given, right? So you want to hear the unpopular secret to raising a happy child? It's going to sound counterintuitive, but it is to let your child be unhappy. Yeah. <laughs> when a child in our life is upset, we instinctively try to distract them and cheer them up. Parenting experts say it's way better to let them be upset and stand firm. Like, I'm sorry you can't watch another episode. We're not doing that right now. Or I'm sorry you can't play that video game right now. But that's not happening. They say children who learn to manage their negative emotions effectively are way more likely to develop the resilience and the strength that they're going to need to be a successful adult. Okay, but you don't want to actively make them no, frustrated. No, 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 no. That would be a dad provoking their child to wrath. But no, just it's Keita not the biggest your, deal if they're upset for a little bit. Key to making your kid ha- happy. Provoke them to unhappiness. <laughs> then they'll realize how good they did have it. <laughs> so I, I don't know about you, but some of my heroes are people who they look at situations where the media has told us you got to pick a side and everybody's really ramped up about it. And they go, you know what? There are people involved in this. I'm going to try to do something to help. Kind of like there was an incident at, remember the Pulse nightclub in Orlando? And there was a horrific accident there. And what did the Chick-fil-A in the area do? In the days after when people were there mourning and putting flowers and became an impromptu memorial, they went out and gave sandwiches away It's awesome. Right? They didn't say there's the, we're not interested in the issue around this. We're interested in the people that are here. And that's, those are the people that I, I really get inspired by. And there's a lady, Sister Norma. She's a nun who has been working on the border in Brownsville, Texas for decades um, she has dedicated her life not to taking a side on an issue. She works with Border Patrol. She works with politicians. She just wants to provide relief to people that need it. And wow. that's what she has that's dedicated fantastic. her life to. So when I hear this quote from her, the gospel calls on me to provide shelter and to welcome strangers. I think, OK, this is a woman who we should listen to, not mm-hmm. just like some guy on CNN or Fox that's you know like getting, a, getting his soundbite in and that's it. This is woman, Sister Norma, was there when that car drove into that crowd of people outside of a shelter. She's been walking the mom of one of the men who lost his life that day through that. Mm. She said that those those guys that were lost their lives that day, they had, they had done everything legally. They were here with permission and they had called their families. They were waiting for the bus to take them legally to reunite with their families. And she said she's had to control this mom. She's devastated. She couldn't believe it. She's on the phone with her saying, where is my son? Please tell me this isn't true. He's a beautiful person. Mm. So here she is as we all watch the news and the news is telling you to pick a side. You know, Title 42 is expiring and you've either got to be for or against. And here's Sister Norma going, you know, I'm for I'm for the gospel and I'm for Jesus. And because of that, I'm for these people. That's the person that inspires me. I really am so inspired by the work she's done because she's just not like posting something on social media. She's giving her life to helping people, which, wow, if we all had the courage to live our lives that way, what a different world it would be.
Coming up in just a minute, why in the world is your teenager so hesitant to drive and what can you do about it? Why in the world is your teenager so hesitant to drive and what in the world can you do about it? After all, you may be like most adults today who were at the DMV on their 16th birthday getting their license because they just couldn't wait to have the freedom. Well, a recent survey showed more than half of teens have spent some type of driving, have some type of driving anxiety that's keeping them off the road. 42% of teens delayed getting their license. 36% drive only when absolutely necessary. And about 30% have skipped out on social events or extracurricular activities to avoid driving. So Really? What, yeah. So what can you do? Don't push them. Be encouraging. Find a driver's education program and celebrate milestones. And it was so funny. I brought this subject. It's so fun when I can test out be, uh, material for the show on my family first. And I have a niece who's not too thrilled about driving. She's, you know, got her permit and she's doing some driving. And her dad made a joke about maybe I could drive a little bit better. And she nodded like, wow, dad, you're scaring me behind the wheel. It was a really funny family moment. But yeah, they say if you model good driving behavior for your kids, that helps a lot, too. So is that happening in your family? Do you have teenagers that are kind of hesitant to drive? I know some like they wait until their sophomore year in college Mm -hmm. to learn how to drive. What's going on in your family? We'd love to hear about it. So we're talking about uh, some kids that they just don't feel like they can be bothered with learning how to drive. They'd, they'd rather not, right? And, and what is <clears throat> driving that? <laughs> <laughs> Can't stop with the dad jokes. They're nonstop. So anyhow, what yeah, what is seriously causing kids to not want to learn how to drive? Was, when we were kids, it was a rite of passage. It meant it meant freedom. Right. Like, wow, I can I can get out under the watchful gaze of mom and dad and head out on the highway in the family station wagon. Are you kidding me? Yeah. My life is going to change so much for the better now. But now kids are just like me. I couldn't I, wait. Yeah. I think it's because phones have given them that freedom. You don't mm. need to leave your house and you can leave the watchful gaze of mom and dad. Yeah. Or I, you can I take an Uber tech. and it's go tech. somewhere. Well, that yeah. was going to be the next thing I said is instead of learning how to drive, kids learn how to Uber yeah. instead. But I, yeah. I don't know how many kids are actually doing that. You know, they just have mom and dad drop them off or somebody else's mom and dad drop them off. But what's the story in your house? Are your kids chomping at the bit to get their driver's license or are they like, I'm good. I don't see a need to rush that. We'd love to hear from you. Hey, Kathy, we're talking about kids and learning how to drive and how a lot of them seem to be delaying it nowadays. What What's going on in your house? Well, I think that it is just the child as an individual because I have my daughter that could not wait. Her birthday, she was on it. Mm-hmm. And then my son, we had to force him to start learning. And oh, wow. his senior year in high school, he finally decided he was going to start driving the short distance to school. And then after he graduated, the summer after he graduated, before he started college, he was in a car accident. Oh, no. And after that, he had such anxiety that he just refused to drive. And it took him graduating from college and getting a job that forced him to start driving again. Wow, and then that's tough. Every time he got in the wheel of the car, I could just sense his anxiety. And I, I just prayed that God surrounded his car you know, with a hedge of protection and, but it was just, I think it's just the individual child. I think some of them just have this fear because driving's scary. Yeah. And 
you know, I, I just think that, and I raised them both the same, and mm-hmm. they rode with me. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, Maybe that's why they're terrified. (laughs) (laughs) That could be. That's what their dad says. (laughs) Ongoing joke. Kathy, thanks for sharing your life with us. We appreciate you. We appreciate you, too. Y'all have a great day. Hey, you know how there's two things making headlines? Number one, the popularity of pickleball. And two, Bed Bath & Beyond going out of business. Well, check this out. A lot of cities are taking the Bed Bath & Beyond stores and turning them into indoor pickleball courts. They're also using abandoned Old Navy and Saks Fifth Avenue stores and malls. Malls love the income. Consumers are craving fun social experiences after years of uh, limited gatherings during the pandemic. And they've shifted their spending from goods to experiences like theaters, arcades, and amusement parks. Well, pickleball is America's fastest growing hobby. So they say it's a win-win. I'm thinking it's America's fastest growing hobby with, uh, how should I say this nicely? Older people. Yes. I asked my son yesterday, who is, Mm -hmm. he's a millennial, like at the younger end of the millennial spectrum. And I said, so are any of your your friends into pickleball? And he goes, no. You know what's (laughs) funny about that? I thought it was all older people too. But when I was getting physical therapy for my wrist, so many young people, physical therapists, they were all meeting for pickleball over the weekends. So I said, you know, are any of your friends into it? And he went, no. And then uh, I said, absolutely not. Like, you've never been tempted to play. He's like, Dad, I'm telling you, that is a boomer thing, which is like the ultimate put down for millennial to say that it's a boomer thing. So, uh, yeah, I, I, from my experience, it's an age thing. Okay, so are you always looking for a gift idea for somebody and you're just like, I don't know what to get. I can't figure it out. My friend got this for her mom and it doesn't really cost that much money and you are going to make the people in your life feel like kings and queens. Mm. I'll tell you what it is in just a minute. Okay, Okay, so if you're looking for a good gift for someone that's not going to totally break the bank but will make them feel like a king or a queen and it's especially good for people like you, Kev. I know you... My friend Julie and my nephew Lance, you three are always cold. Always. always. No matter what. Yes, you're ma'am. always cold. So mm-hmm. the gift that keeps on giving is a towel warmer. Ooh. My friend got one from her mom. Ooh, and like she it. says she feels like I'm just like a luxurious king or queen. Like when I get out of the shower, get out of the tub. There's this warm, cozy towel waiting for me. Mm. And I guess you can stuff bathrobes and blankets and anything you want warm. So, Kev, you could put your PJs in there every night before yeah. you put them on. I might just drape myself over it. <laughs> <laughs> as a mom or a dad, do you have a hunch as to why your child's mental health is suffering? Coming mm. up, here's what most parents say. As a mom or a dad, do you want to uh, do you want to take a guess? Uh, do you have a hunch as to why your child's mental health is suffering? Here's what most parents say. Do you want to guess, Kev, what they said? It's got to be something with social media yep, and screen, screen time. It. it has to be something related. Half to of that. parents believe their children's mental health has suffered due to social media uh, during the past twelve months, according to a brand new survey. Studies have shown time and time again that when kids use social media. It increases anxiety and depression and exposes them to inappropriate sharing, hurtful language, Mm. and bullying. So that was uh, half of parents. I'd be curious to know what the other half said, Yeah, but half said social media. Mm. And you know what? So I'd hate to be the voice of doom and gloom, but I don't see social media getting better. 
I think with AI, it's going to get worse mm. because people who want to sell your kids stuff are going to be totally aware of algorithms and what what is it that that makes them on edge. And if you can get people on edge, you can get them to do anything, right? So it's you are not mom and dad. You are not required to give them a phone. It does not say anywhere in the Bible. And on their twelfth birthday, thou shalt give them my child an iPhone. Delay that as long as you possibly can. Get them a flip phone. You don't have to get them connected 24-7. You know how you uh, just have this anticipation that builds over certain things in your life, whether it's like a YOLO trip or a concert or a, an outing. Lots you of just, stuff, yeah. You think about it. You ponder it. You think about what you're going to wear, where how you're going to get there, where your hotel room. Well, my niece had that in her life recently. Uh, I finally got to talk to her about her Taylor Swift concert experience. <laughs> and from her world, from her perspective, she can't believe it didn't make national news what she went through. <laughs> so here's the scenario. She goes to Nashville to see it at Nissan Stadium. Okay. And there is a rain delay. Mm-hmm. They are packed into this under area of the arena like sardines for not one, not two, not three, but Four hours. She said she's never been so miserable in her life. That's, she a, lot she, of, that's a lot of estrogen jammed into uh, one spot. She said she would put her head up like this just to get some air. Like, <laughs> can I breathe? And then her friend Anjali, they went together, her BFF. Yeah. Um, it took her 30 minutes just to, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, to weasel her way through the crowd to get to the bathroom. And... She said people were were fainting. They had to call paramedics in. I mean, it was, I said, was that the longest four hours of your life? She said, without a doubt. <laughs> and she said the concert, of course, they skipped the openers and the concert itself was epic. And Taylor Swift was out there just singing her heart out in the pouring rain. The rain still didn't stop. The, the, the thunder and lightning just stopped. And she literally met Taylor in the pouring rain and um, she said, she she goes, I wish I could just, every time people ask about the concert, just go, it was the most epic night of my life. But she said, I was so miserable. Right. And then once the, they got out of the sardine situation, she was freezing cold because she was in her little cute little sleeveless, whatever era she picked with the heart around her eye, with yeah, the glitter. Yeah, right. She was in that yeah. era. Sorry, I don't know which era. Um, but yeah, it was well, whew, crazy. If you, um, for the literary types, if you read Dante's Inferno, uh, stuck like sardines underneath Nissan Stadium waiting for Taylor Swift to come on in the pouring rain is one of the levels of hell. I think so. <laughs> it really is. If it's not, it should be in a modern translation.